Welcome to Cooperville. Do you know what's fun to do in Cooperville? Pack up your shit and get the fuck out. Listen. www.welcometocooperville.com <laughs> Who the fuck says www anymore? I can't even say it. www.www.com <laughs> Stop that. The Welcome to Cooperville podcast. On demand anywhere quality podcasts are available. And some places where cheap podcasts are available. And the local gas station has some. Subscribe. Get updates. Feel better about your life. Welcome to Cooperville.com. Check, 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 one, check, check. Welcome to Cooperville. Make sure you use a coaster. The wife gets upset when we leave rings on the tables. All right, and we're going. Dr. Jay LaGuardia, my guest in the Welcome to Cooperville podcast. Now, I, I'm thinking that you don't require a business card. You need more like a billboard. <laughs> I mean, so entrepreneur, chiropractor, consultant, speaker, philanthropist, podcast host, best-selling author, I mean, there's probably more to add to that, but like I could see that up, you know, over a highway somewhere. Like, oh, you want to know all my details? It's up on, you know, Interstate 94. I don't have a business card. Sorry. Long and distinguished. Yeah, it just shows you that, uh, um, you know, I've ventured in a lot of different things in my life. and, And just because, you know, I always want to try new things. I think life is about embracing and and new challenges and you know just kind of putting yourself out there and never accepting mediocrity always trying to make yourself better so you know when you say that it it does sound a little crazy um, <laughs> looking back you know it's it's been a fun journey for sure uh so you've been doing you know you, all a lot of these things for a very long time you know, you've had a chance to travel the world and influence you know many many people uh obviously with the book going worldwide but where did this all begin? Like for you growing up uh, and kind of finding this path that that wasn't necessarily like unidirectional, like you weren't going on one road and kind of staying on that same road. And in, in I don't want to say the, the stereotypical uh, way that we're kind of raised to, you know, you go to school and then you go to college and then you find your career and then you stay in that career, then you retire. And then, you know, you get the weekends with the grandkids, you know, that's seemingly how the, uh, I want to say American dream, but that's how it's kind of, it's portrayed in a, in a, in a kind of broad overview. Um, but for you, where did, where did it start? Um, this lifelong path of kind of accomplishing a whole bunch of things and, and still gaining more. Well, it's interesting. You and I were talking, uh, in pre-show, um, about, uh, you know, um, you speak a lot to musicians mm-hmm. and, and growing up, um, I was from a musical family. My dad's been in the music business for 60 years. Um, he's written on a lot of very famous, you know, songs that everyone would know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I learned early on that music was a passion for me. And uh, so I started playing professionally literally at 12. Wow. It, it was a funny story. Uh, I was traveling with him one night. They were working in the Catskills in, in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And uh, which was at the at the time of the Playboy Club, and uh, I probably had been playing four or five years, and my brother was playing traps with him, and it was his, they were playing a big orchestra. And my brother also used to uh, take care of the sound system, and and the sound system went down, 
So he says to me, he goes, get up there and play. And I'm like in front of a thousand people. It's the first time I'd ever played professionally, right? And here I am, you know, with this orchestra, a 12-year-old kid. And uh, and I realized this is totally cool. I really love it. And and I was playing professionally until um, um, I, I went into college. And, you know, talk about pivotal moments in your life. Um, I had I had gotten hurt playing football in high school. My mother had taken me to a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. And I had never heard of what a chiropractor was before, but I had some shoulder and, and, uh, and neck issues. And I went and I saw this guy and he, uh, he fixed me up, got me back on the field. I was able to perform again and, and had a great experience. Um, but back into college, I was coming out of a, a biochem lab one night and there was the chiropractor doing a lecture at the college. So I stopped in and I sat down and said, I was able to wait for him to finish up and go say hi and thank him again for, for helping me get better. And I sat there and I listened to him tell what we call the chiropractic story, which is basically is the body is a self-healing, self-regulating organism. If we remove the interference that affects that body's ability to heal, the body can take care of itself. Like, that's freaking brilliant. Mm. And so at the time, I was still deciding whether I was going to go into school. I was thinking of being an orthopedic surgeon. Maybe I'd stay in music. I wasn't really sure. At that moment, I decided I was going to be a chiropractor. And I went home and I remember telling my, my mother that, and she almost fell over. She's like, uh, you know, why, why do you want to do that? You know, why don't you just stay on a course of being an orthopedic surgeon? So, you know, that really started kind of the entrepreneurial spirit because chiropractic in general is a very entrepreneurial type of business. And early on growing up, I was an entrepreneur. I mean, I had, I used to, you know, shovel snow and rake leaves and cut lawn throughout the year. It's always had that kind of entrepreneurial mindset and chiropractic really kind of advanced that moving as, as I got into training. And, and so that's really what started me on the journey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it's obviously veered in many, <laughs> a few different ways along, <laughs> along the path. Um, some intentional and often many not intentional. Well, I think that even leads back into going to that chiropractor for an injury coincidentally running into that one at a seminar at a, at a, at a speech and then kind of changing the course of, you know, your life's direction as far as your career goes. I mean, when you are on a path and all of a sudden something interjects itself and you, your interest is peaked or something about it gravitates, you know, kind of pulls you in towards it. Um, you know, the ability to, I think, follow that path. Um, cause some people, those things will, will come into their lives and they will, glance at them and, and they will, that opportunity or that, that opening will close and, and they'll move on, kind of continue on the same road they are. Um, I think, you know, entrepreneur, when you have that mindset, when those opportunities knock or you see something or you're, you're pulled towards something, you, I think you're more open-minded to pursuing those things. And, oh yeah, I, I think I could accomplish that. I mean, I had no idea you started in music. I mean, that was, that's a that's a new. I got to add that to your billboard here. I mean, get the get the <laughs> I billboard. I actually had a chance to uh, audition audition for Juilliard. Wow. Um, I was I was recommended by um, our band teacher at the time, and uh, but you know, I, I saw what the music industry at the time was doing to our family. Um, mm-hmm. My parents got a divorce as a result. My dad was working four or five nights, you know, and it just wasn't conducive for a family life. And uh, I always dreamt, you know, from a core value standpoint, I always wanted to have a family and, and not put them through what we were through as kids growing up. And so that was a really high priority. And I knew the music industry was a really tough way to create that kind of life. Yeah. And so that's why I, I didn't go that route, even though if you asked me if I can be in front of, you know, 
25,000, you know, screaming fans driving <laughs> a, a band or, you know, doing a lecture for a thousand people, I'll, I'll play all day long. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody's you listening, know, so. I know, I know some guys that are, that are in that yeah, field sure you can make that happen I'm for sure you. you that, that whole process was, you know, that life-changing moment was, is that message that he had shared with me kind of tapped into uh, my own core values that, I, that I believe that, that, you know, um, that health is, is self-sustaining comes from within. I didn't know it at the time, but when I heard it, it was so elegant, so beautiful. Like I have to do this because I think this is what I, you know, believe in as it relates to, um, health and wellness. And, uh, and I want to share that with people. So it was a message at the right time that tapped into a passion. I didn't even know that it existed within me. Yeah. I mean, that's a fire that, you know, the embers are there. Obviously, the the kindling is inside of you, and it just takes somebody kind of pouring a message onto it, like gasoline, and and that ignites, and and uh, the fire starts, and and off you go on your you know career path or your life's path. Um, you know, when you talk about the body and health, um, there are a lot of things, and I think you know when you look at society today, uh, medically today, um, cures for things today, uh, and we've kind of seen. Um, I want to say you hope it's a, a major turn into some more natural ways of, of healing. I think chiropractic uh, methods included in there, um, but there is you know some big epidemics in our country um, that I think years ago, all of us you know there was always a pill that was going to take care of everything, whether it was pain, whether it was depression, whether it was you know all the the, the laundry list was what what are your symptoms? What do you have? Okay, we're going to categorize that as this, and for this we have this. And that has led to, I think, a lot of the uh, the opioid crisis that is going on right now, and how that has kind of spawned off into you know the fentanyl world. And now you know it's uh, you know we're looking at you know, places that you don't you wouldn't consider like Connecticut to be a hotbed of of fentanyl use and methamphetamine use, but yet you have these people, and it, it's become less, and, and maybe this is what has opened it up to, I think, you know, criticism and ridicule, maybe opened up some more opportunities for uh, for some other industries to provide some relief for people, is that it's not specific to a, you know, a group of people. It's not, it doesn't have a class level, it doesn't have a race level, it is really affecting everybody kind of far and wide. Um, and I mentioned Connecticut, because you, you think the word Connecticut, and you're like, you know, no, no, it's everything in Connecticut is just beautiful. You should visit. I've seen their signs to get out there. Um, what are your thoughts on you know, kind of the world that's out there right now, as far as medication goes, as far as some you know maybe even some vaccinations go that that are probably better suited to be maybe taken care of by other means and methods? That's a great question, and you really test and um, you know a, kind of attacked something I'm really passionate about. Um, in fact, I just did a post yesterday on vaccinations. I saw an article that uh, um, there's 25, um, 25 times more the amount of, of, of mercury in a vaccine than there is in, in the allowable amount for drinking water. And yet we allow, you know, in, in the flu shot, by the way, yes. and yet we allow that, you know, to be mass disseminated when we know that three to five years of consecutive um, flu vaccines increases your chance of dementia by 35%. Now, how many people know that? And I just learned it right know, now. Right? Yeah. And, and, and if there's a history of it in the family, 
don't you think that would be a wise thing to let them know? It's it's called informed consent. Mm-hmm. And except, uh, what they tend to do is just, hey, just sign this form without really giving you insight to specifically what it is you're doing it, why you're doing it, and most importantly, how effective is it? Again, most people probably don't realize from 2006 to 2012, the flu vaccine was about 13% effective. I don't know about you, but there's no procedure where if they said, hey, Jay, we're going to recommend this surgery for you, but there's an 87% chance it's going to fail. How do you think? What do you think? Oh, yeah, I'm all for it. Let me do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so there's there's a lot of absurdity in things that are done just because there's an authority figure out there that we we blindly trust without doing the research on our own to be fully empowered you know, one of the things I talk about in my podcast all the time is empowering people with the right information mm-hmm. so they can make logical choices based on their values and what's important to them. You know, the other part that you talked about, the opioid issue, um, I used to be the president of the State Chiropractic Association, the Chiropractic Society of Wisconsin, and we made it our our mission to inform the public of Wisconsin and, and nation, nationwide of the tragedies you know, they're occurring and why it's occurring. Um, so we did a lot of different videos that went, that went national and they, you know, um, even the government had picked them up as far as using them for educational pieces. The point is, is that in most cases we look for quick solutions, mm-hmm. right? Pain is merely the expression in from the body that something's not right. So what of us, what do we tend to do is try to find ways to mask that pain because the assumption is, is if I feel better, I'm well, Mm -hmm. well, the absence of symptoms does not mean health. It just simply, simply means no symptoms. So if I was to take something that would, that would, that would, um, you know, cause that symptom to subside, you know, the illusion is I'm better. No, what happens is, is you just shut off the nerve innings that produces the pain. And so we got trapped in this whole opioid epidemic because it, it really was effective in inhibiting the body's ability to produce pain. But at the same time, you know, there's a 25% chance of becoming addicted. One out of four person, people who take opioids become addicted. And it's not necessarily the first time. It could be the third or fifth time prescription where the addiction can occur. And so now more people die on the age of 50 due to drug overdoses, due to opioid use in some way, shape or form, either directly or indirectly mm-hmm. than in any other causes. And the absurdity is, is that we were sold a lie, right? The pharmaceutical company told us that they were safe and that they weren't addictive. We know that's not true now, right? And then the medical profession just handed them out like candy. You know, dentists were writing scripts for abscesses and, you know, regular dental work. And now we have a, a mass epidemic. So to, to kind of tie the, a bow on this is we have to be more empowered and take more control of our own health and well-being. That means is we have to become informed. We have to be a consumer. And when it comes to, when it comes to our own health, right, proactive is better than reactive. Mm-hmm. So doing the things to keep ourselves well mentally, physically, spiritually each and every day is, is a habit. It's a behavior. What we don't want to do is, is, is live a certain lifestyle where over time we lose our health and then we're trying to regain it the rest of our life. And that's almost, you know, really difficult to do. And it's also very expensive. 
So if we do that, then the chance of us getting sucked into the system diminishes. And so, um, so hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. But the point is, is that is that we're too quick to rush to a solution that doesn't work. I had uh, Kyle Pfeiffer, who was the front man for a band called Blacklight District. He was on a couple episodes back. Uh, they happened to be in town, and he's going down to the studio and chatted up with him. You know, really started off a conversation about music and, and, and the direction that music is going and, and the online platforms that are available. And about three quarters of the way through that podcast, he opened up uh, about the current tour they were on and the reason that they didn't jump on the first leg of it. And it, it stemmed back, you know, almost two years prior where he had went in and he's been doing music and been on the road and doing these things for, you know, going on 15 years. Um, and with the road lifestyle, sometimes that leads to late night celebrations and, and overconsumption of alcohol. And that was kind of his, you know, his thing is he, he was, he would drink after a show. Uh, so times that by 15 years in the industry and three or four shows a week, you know, eventually it took a toll on his body. So he went in with some severe stomach pain and, uh, and basically the doctor said, well, you need to quit drinking, but here, we're going to give you this medication to help the pain subside. Um, that medication was fentanyl. Um, mm-hmm. He went back in several other times. Uh, they put him on some different medication, but that fentanyl addiction stuck with him uh, to the point where it they had to cancel the first part of their tour because he woke up one day with this. It was a bad situation that he you know found himself in, and and luckily had a support system around him uh, to be able to you know to kick that habit that he had been on. Um, but this it was probably three months, uh, two or three months prior to the time I had him on, and he. He mentioned in that interview, he was still going through the withdrawals from fentanyl. He could still, you know, he could still feel the difference uh, and, and feel his body still trying to recover from, you know, being off it for close to 90 days. And uh, I mean, it was an eye-opening conversation, I think, for him. It was the first time he had spoken about it um, on a public forum. So it was really eye-opening, I think, when you topple that one-on-one conversation with what you hear on the news and we can get into whether that's skewed sometimes or not but um, really something that I think that you brought to light here is we, we need to be a more informed public the flu shot the flu vaccine thing that's just something that from childhood you just it, you know you kind of just remember that's what you do and and really until you ask a question about it it's just part of the routine of living in a state that has, you know, a high rate of flu during the flu season. You drive by your local drugstore and there's a sign right there that says, you know, vaccines today. You know, and I think without question for a long time, society just went, okay, yeah, this is what I need to do. Otherwise, I'm going to get really sick. And now all of a sudden, you know, these, you know, research is coming out and, and questions are being answered and, and, and hopefully more people than not are starting to open an eye and ask questions and learn more about what they're not only putting in their body, but, you know, the, the ways that they're, you know, taking care of themselves, you know, that could maybe be more beneficial than getting shot with how many more times mercury than you actually need in a, (laughs) that is allowed in a glass of water. It's scary. It's true. You know, it's just ask yourself, you know, with this whole, um, media scare with the measles vaccine, Mm -hmm. right? That's been going on recently. Why is there such an outrage over measles? First of all, measles is not a disease. It's a virus. Mm -hmm. It's self-limiting in seven to 10 days. 
your chance of dying from measles, you get, you have a greater chance of getting hit by lightning three times before you would die from measles. And so the reality is what's all the pushback? What's all the blowback, right? It's being driven by the pharmaceutical companies because it's a huge cash cow when you have a mandatory market that's mandated mm-hmm. to take these shots, irregardless of whether it's, it's, it's um, um, effective because we know acquired immunity, which is a vaccine, mm-hmm. is not nearly as effective as when you are naturally immune when you get exposed to it. Now, right. I'm a bit older than you are. So when we were younger, if someone had the chicken pox or the measles, they would get us together in a house. So <laughs> Hang out for a week. Yeah, yeah, and then get through it and you're done. And natural immunity, you never get it again. And your immune system is just like, you know, your musculoskeletal system. The more it gets stressed, the stronger it becomes. So if you keep insulating the immune system from exposure, the weaker it becomes. Well, guess what? Guess what is, you know, um, what causes cancer? It's, a, it's, a, it's an altered immune response. Mm-hmm. So the stronger the immune system, the better we can fight off all sorts of diseases and, and chronic conditions. So, so always ask and follow and ask yourself to follow the money. Where is it coming from? You know, who's behind it? And uh, is this really good for me? Uh, because ultimately when it comes down to it, you know, w- there's this whole, you know, uh, pro-choice, anti-choice. I'm not even here to debate that. What I'm trying to say is if we're pro-choice, why aren't we pro-choice when it comes to parents' right to determine what we put in our kid's body or not? Mm-hmm. Who's to determine and make the, you know, um, the call that it's be- they know better for your child than you do or yourself Right, could be a place of employment. Well, if you don't get the flu shot, you're going to get terminated. Really? So let me ask you this. Are you going to take full responsibility if I have an autoimmune response? Because that happens quite often, right? Are you going to take response? Are you going to take care of my family if something happens to me? Or in 20 years from now, if I come down with dementia, are you going to pay for my care? You know, so these are some of the questions that we have to think about. Yeah, and I think that is hopefully opening up more gateways and more, you know, answers that are out there. I think maybe there were people asking questions, but a lot of times, you know, maybe, I don't want to say before the internet, but before answers were so readily available and at least, you know, facts were so readily available, you could ask a question, but you may not get an answer. You may not get the right answer. And, and not to, you know, float conspiracy theory in there, but it's, the, <laughs> but I will. Um, news is weird in in the fact that, Obviously, there's a big push against, as we talked about, the opioids that are out there. And so, obviously, Big Farm and, and, and all these companies are are feeling a pushback on that. Um, there's a whole new medical marijuana field that's growing and opening up that's probably putting pressure on them. It's, it's eerily coincidental that right about the same time window that all these different things are happening where, you know, medical marijuana is becoming a thing that, you know, eventually Wisconsin will, you know, be on board. Obviously they've approved the farming here. Um, I got some friends that are in that industry, which I really would like to get on the ground floor of just, you know, from a lucrative standpoint, but, you know, and then you have the pushback from the opioids and now all of a sudden a new, a new crisis is created, which again, following the money trail circles right back up to the same people who are pushing, you know, the opioids. It's a, it's a weird, just a weird coincidence, perhaps. Well, and it's it's the reason why I chose to be a chiropractor. I could, mm-hmm. I could have chose to be anything I wanted, and the reason is because I just felt that uh, sharing sharing this um, 
ability to help people to heal naturally and, and help them understand that there are three, this is a really important point for your listeners. There's three essential things that we do every single day that's going to influence whether your body it, uh, expresses health or sickness. Mm-hmm. It's how we eat, move, and think. And so my whole business was wrapped around helping people understand what are the key components, activities, behaviors, and habits as it relates to eating, moving, and thinking on a day-to-day basis that will either cause your genes to express sickness or disease. It's that simple. Mm -hmm. And chiropractic is a component of that. And that isn't being taught anywhere. But if you think about it, we do all three all day. And those three things have the greatest influence on our overall health. That's the triangle right there. I mean, that's, it is. you know, it's not Phil Jackson, but it's, you know, better. <laughs> We're in the triangle <laughs> offense right. over here. Um, uh, one thing right. I, d- I do want to touch base on, and and then, and this is more like, you know, personal observation. Um, you know, we kind of talked uh, before uh, we hit the record button here about kind of my day, you know, starts early. Um, I'm an early riser. I like to get my time in before um, kind of kind of the house wakes up, you know, before my kid wakes up, my wife wakes up. I like, to, that's my, like my time to, to kind of thrive. I get my meditation in, I get my reading in and I get my running in. And that's just how the day begins, you know, for me personally. Um, as part of that, I get my kid up, get his day started. I load him in the car and take him to school, pick him up from school at the end of the day. And I'm just, I, I think I've become in the last couple months, a lot more observant of the world around me. And I'm, that could be because I don't have necessarily a boss that's breathing down my neck. I don't, I don't clock in eight to five. I don't, you know, there it's, it's a much more open-minded uh, life that I'm living and have been since I got let go from radio. But what I've just been kind of taking perspective on is there seems to be a lot of men that I see out there that almost look a, that there's a defeated look to them. And there's, there could be a lot of aspects to it. I think the three things that you talked about are probably a major part of that. Um, but there's a lot of things I think that take, can take a toll on uh, a man when he's, you know, it, parenthood's tough. Marriage is tough. Work's tough. All these, all these things that you have to kind of get through life to, you know, be you know, considered a success, um, being in a career that you don't love, you know, not being able to pursue other avenues because of, you know, whatever constraints are out there or not believing that you can get through any of those barriers. You know, what are some things that you can offer, you know, to maybe some of those guys and, and, and there's women out there too. I think that, that feel that same pressure of, you know, maybe trying to live up to a standard, but not being able to, or not believing in themselves enough to, but to kind of raise up and get to a point where they, there's more confidence and there's more energy and enthusiasm and, and kind of a love for life. Cause it, the vibe I get when I guess I'm out a lot, you know, especially in that watching dads drop off their kids or watching moms drop off their kids. Trust me, there's some out there that I'm like, okay, that she's going running or he's going to the gym or he, you know, that guy's got his shit together. It's, you know, everything's all good. But uh, you know, there's a lot of times where you're just like, man, I, I, I can almost look at somebody and feel the weight that they are carrying along with them. Um, what are some things that you can, you know, offer for people just to kind of get inside of their head a little bit and maybe look at how, how their days are functioning, how their lives are functioning that can maybe start to lead to some level of improvement. It's a good question. You know, you were talking about male, you know, um, the male in our society is being emasculated. Yeah, um, absolutely. De-emphasized. Fatherhood is no longer an important component in raising children. Don't get me wrong. If you're a single parent, my mom raised us. Mm -hmm. I respect and love the hell out of her for what she did. 
but it would have been a whole lot easier if my dad was around. Right. You know, and and there was that male figure. Um, and because that male figure wasn't present in my life, I went down a bad road for a long time. I had a lot of shit I had to work through, yeah. you know, to, to get where I am today. And so I think the first thing is, and I'm speaking specifically to guys, but ladies, this is for your husbands and boyfriends as well, too, is that you have to honor yourself and acknowledge who you are, right? Our roles as, as fathers and as husbands and, and, um, and uh, maybe the leaders of the household is simply to, is, is to be a great example, mm-hmm. right? Is to love openly and freely and to always work to, be, to become the, the best version of ourselves. And so I always start with understanding who am I? Because, you know, most people think life is about what we do, but it's really about who we're becoming. And as we continue to grow, our life grows. And so first thing is work on becoming the best version of you. And as you talked about meditation, I always talk about the daily rituals of success. Mm-hmm. So personal development are the habits and rituals that we commit to on a daily basis that helps us transcend the subconscious mind. Because each and every one of us, it doesn't matter who we are, whoever's listening to this, every single one of us has had issues from our background that create limiting beliefs, fears, uncertainty, and doubt that holds us from really striving to reach and become our best self. You talked before about people going to work. Do you know 70, 73% of the people go to a job every day they absolutely hate? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how could you live your, your best life when, when you're dispassionate and just you know, feel like you're punching a clock and just you know, um, living out your life? That's, right. that's not the way it was intended to be. So it's about being intentional with your actions. And so daily habits and rituals is about what do you do to build yourself and build your mind? Because if you become the best version of yourself, guess what happens to your family? They also become right? the best versions of themselves. They do too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, better relationships. You're a better husband. You can be a better father. Um, you can be better steward to the community and give back and so on and so forth. So here's the habits that, that, that I encourage everyone um, to engage in if they really want to help optimize and create the best life. Number one is, as you talked about, is, is a morning routine. So getting up in the morning and preparing your minds for success is an intentional behavior. Mm-hmm. It's not random. So what do most people do? They get up, the alarm goes off, and they hit the alarm, and they go back, and they snooze. And they snooze again, and then they snooze again. Now they get up, they rush out of bed because they're late, and they just bang their toe on the dresser. And they're mm-hmm. hopping around mad as hell, mm-hmm. right? They go into the bathroom, they turn on the water, and uh, you know maybe it wasn't on hot, and it was on cold, and they jump in a cold shower, and they're pissed off again. And, and the whole day just unravels because they didn't start the day intentionally. So when you get up each day, the first thing you should do is start with gratitude. Before you even step out of the bed, hmm. right? As soon as you're conscious, even if your eyes are closed, is give thanks for another day, for another opportunity to live your life, right? To share it with your family members, to friends, to pursue your dreams, to pursue your goals. That's a gift, right? Be grateful for those who are around you. It could be your family, coworkers, friends. You know, be grateful for the opportunities because no matter how bad we have in this country, we still have it better than most. Yeah, yeah. 
And so when you think about it, you know, you get in the car and you drive to work and you're driving a broken down car, how many people are walking to work or not working at all? So there's always something to be thankful for if you're looking to be thankful. And by the way, cool. Gratitude is the number one emotion which unlocks abundance into your life. So if you want to create more abundance and more prosperity, an attitude of gratitude is mm -hmm. the key to make that happen. So gratitude. So then what I recommend is after I do that, I get up, I go up into my office and I do my 20 minutes. I meditate, right? I visualize how I want my day to go. I think mm -hmm. about maybe the meetings or calls or podcasts I'm going to be on and I see how the outcome I want it to be. I see situations um, relationship with my spouse. How do I want that to go? Relationship with my kids, relationship with a coworker. Uh, so what you put in your mind typically is what you create. And so in the more intentional you are, the more you're creating your life based on what you want rather than what happens. Mm -hmm. So it's being proactive rather than reactive. Same thing with your mindset as with your health, as I talked about before. So then I read something that's empowering, right? Here's another thing. I don't turn on the news. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to fill my mind with that negativity because one of the keys to success is we are a byproduct of the five people we surround ourselves with. Mm -hmm. So there are people that either build you up in strong and noble thought or they tear you down. And so that is one of the keys to what I call personal mastery, self mastery is insulating your environment with people who build you up in strong and noble thought. And it's not just the relationships, but it could be social media. Hmm. It could be the TV shows that we watch, the movies, the messages that are going into your mind get filtered through your conscious and your subconscious. And that then becomes your dominant thought pattern. And so the way you change that, as I mentioned before, is we're all dealing with limiting beliefs or with these habits. So when I wrote my book, Change Your Mind, Change Your Destiny, The Eight Habits of Success, is helping people understand the habits that will help transcend the subconscious mind of the limiting beliefs that hold us back for reaching our greatness. Because in each and every one of us, there's greatness within us. Now, it doesn't mean we're going to walk on the moon or become president, but there's a level of greatness within each of us that is inherent to us as far as it's a primal. We, we, we strive to be that. And so if we can reach that, it's where we begin, where we really experience joy and happiness, and stress decreases. You know, it's it's funny. I had this actually noted down on here about about the people you surround yourself with, and um, you know how toxic people um, and, and toxic attitudes can, uh, and and maybe those are some of the things that that I see and I observe in others when I'm out. Is if you have somebody who's around you and whether that's, and whoever that person happens to be, could be your boss, could be your significant other, could be just somebody who's in your life that is kind of becomes a weight because of whether it's their, their personal outlook, whether it's how, you know, they treat you, whether it's, you know, their motivation to do things. Um, cause I think you always, if you surround yourself with that, it's, it's like the anchor that is tied around your ankle and you're trying to swim out of the ocean. Cause you're like, I mean, I'm, sure. man, I'm, I'm putting in all this effort. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get out. I'm trying to be better. Cause I, I really would not like to be at the bottom of the ocean. sounds like a bad day, but those weight, that weight that is tied to your leg and keeps pulling you back down as much as you try to pull them back up as much as you try to, you know, okay, I'm, I'm going to grab a hold of this, you know, this cord and I'm going to pull up this anchor and I'm going to hold on to it. That also makes it really difficult to swim. Um, so it, surrounding yourself with with people like you mentioned that that have that same 
kind of motivational mindset that 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 want to progress forward, that want to, you know, not only better themselves, you know, in in the three areas that you spoke about earlier, but also have I don't want to say lofty goals, but they have there's some goal out there that they are trying to attain, whether it's health and fitness or it's, you know, trying to be a better entrepreneur or they're better at their job, whatever it is that they're doing, but they're always looking to every day is a step towards whatever their goal happens to be. Um, you surround yourself with those people and you kind of let go of that, you know, untie the rope that's around your ankle. It's going to be a lot easier to swim. And you may have people that are closer to shore reaching out a hand or throwing out a, you know, a life preserver or a life raft to help get you uh, a little bit further on your journey. So it, the importance of having those kind of people in your life, I think I, I can't stress enough. It's so true because when we're not pursuing something, in other words, when we're not actively each day in the pursuit of, and it could be the pursuit of happiness or the pursuit of a better relationship or Mm -hmm. pursuit of creating a better life for ourselves and our family, when we're not in the pursuit of something is when we lose passion. And passion is where joy occurs. You see, passion is what helps us overcome obstacles and, and, and the inevitable adversities that occur you know I always kind of refer to there's certain obstacles that are you know a kick in the shin and then there's a you know then there's a kick to the teeth yeah. you know how do you overcome that well passion helps you do that when you're striving and driving towards something and you mentioned something before and I was thinking of Gandhi's quote and Gandhi said that you know never let somebody with dirty feet walk through the garden of your mind and the point being mm. is is that negativity is just twice as strong as positivity. And so if you sound, surround yourself with a lot of negativity in your environment, it's hard to pursue your passion yeah. because the life gets sucked out of you. So insulating your environment is critical to creating the type of life that you want. And so these are one of the, some of the really key components um, that I'm so passionate about teaching because when people come to me and, and want to work either growing their business or personal development, I first ask them about what's your dreams, what's your passions, right? And the interesting thing is many people don't know because they stopped dreaming a long time ago. And by the way, that's success habit number one. Dreaming is essential. And dreaming starts by asking the simple question, what's possible, right? If if in my life I can do anything that I want and money and, and time, money time were not an object, what would it be, right? In that question, the answer lies your passion. Yeah. And sometimes that has to be reviewed every single day or weeks or months before it reveals itself. And that's also why hanging out with really, you know, energetic empowered people, what we call masterminds groups where people just have great conversations that sparks an idea. I told you when we first started the show, I sat in that class. Mm -hmm. It changed my direction for life. That's how I wound up in Oakland, Wisconsin. (laughs) I was born and raised in New Jersey. I mean, how the hell did I find my way here? (laughs) It was that guy who told me that message that put me on the path to go to chiropractic school where I met my wife. So it's, it's how the universe conspires in our life, you know, that sends messages and opportunities. The question, are we awake? Are we conscious? Are we listening? And the only way we do that is when we're being intentional and we're in an environment that nourishes us. I want to talk a little bit about uh, being an entrepreneur um, because that it seems like entrepreneurship, um, that class was not available uh, <laughs> in school. It's like, oh, uh, where's the uh, there's shop class and there's home ec and there's okay math and uh, where's the, I don't get, there's no sign up sheet for being an entrepreneur. Right, right. Um, and it feels like 
especially now uh, in, in the present moment that we live in, being an entrepreneur um, ha- has find, found itself some validity, I think, in society. Um, before, and, and it, it, I guess it depends on your your, vanity, your viewpoint of entrepreneurship. I mean, it could be everything from, oh, look, you could sell this patch and you put it on your skin and then you're going to be, and you're going to make millions of dollars and you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're a business owner. Well, kind of, sure. kind of, sort of. Um, but yeah. entrepreneur mentality and and how you know people like yourself and others, um, and I think you've discussed some of the topics uh, or some of the ways that you you know open your mind up to those things. But how does one put themselves into that entrepreneurial mindset where they're open to things and they're they're kind of visionaries on things and they they understand um, you know goal setting and and that you're going to have and not taking a failure as necessarily a failure and okay, that, well, I failed at that. So I'm guessing that's not my path and maybe using that more as a, okay, well that didn't work, but here's how I can get over that blockade. What are some, what are some mental or ways that people can get in their head if they, you know, entrepreneurship is something they felt that was in them? Cause I was the same way. I'm like, yeah. Oh, I, I think uh, those guys look at, they don't have a shovel today, but I have one. I will go down and, and take care of their, you know, their snow this, you know, today or I'll mow their lawn or the neighbors and five bucks at a time. Um, how do you put, how do you, you know, increase your mental awareness, I think to entrepreneurship and the, the avenues that are out there. It, you know, Entrepreneurship really starts with a single question, right? Mm-hmm. What problem does a group of people have that I can solve? And if you figure out, first of all, what the issue is, what the solution is, and if you can solve it, you're now, you can, you're now an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. That's really what entrepreneurship is about. Um, now, in kind of a, a more specific answer is entrepreneurship is really about a, a concept of serving others, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's it's being able to fill a void that will make other people's lives better. And interesting enough, in, to, to, in today's um, um, economy, service is the number one um, employer, right? Mm-hmm. So whether it's somebody waiting tables or it's a business consultant or use a car salesman, the service industry employs more people than, you know, technology or anything like that. So entrepreneurship is about service. And so we can, I can make a product and sell the product or I can deliver a service and help people, you know, overcome and, and, and correct a problem. You know, back in February, um, I had a guest on my show. Her name was Sharon Lecter and Sharon, um, was the co-author with Richard Kiyosaki, who wrote um, the very famous book *Rich Dad Poor Dad*. Mm-hmm. And Richard and uh, Sharon ran Richard Kiyosaki's organization for ten years. Um, Sharon had left and then went to Napoleon Hill Foundation, running the Napoleon Hill Foundation of Think and Grow Rich. She was also appointed by President Bush on the. Um, um, financial literacy for, for students. Mm -hmm. And so I asked her this question. I said, Sharon, why is, why is the mindset in school not to develop more entrepreneurs? You know, why is it, you know, that we struggle so much with finances? And if you look at statistically, it's the, you know, biggest problem that people have in their lives. He said, it's really simple. 
schools teach you what to think. Schools don't teach you how to think. Mm. And if there's any teachers on here, please don't be you know, offended <laughs> by that. It's, it's, it's the system. It's not the individuals. Mm. And so entrepreneurs are, are, are problem solvers, right? We think how to solve issues. We think very differently than, you know, what to think or how to think. And so we look at problems very differently than someone who's maybe not an entrepreneurial mind. So I would say if someone is interested in becoming an entrepreneur is, is start looking at the world around you and looking at how it is that you can engage in that world and help somebody solve a problem and then figure out, you know, then, then if you have a passion for it, then even better, right? Because then, right. like I said, you'll be able to overcome um, the inevitable obstacles and, and adversity that occurs when you're starting a business. Cause it's all always going to happen, right? Yeah. No matter what stage of business you are, there's always obstacles. And then if you have a passion for it, then, um, you have to identify who your ideal and target audience is. And the most specific you can get with it, right? Then you know specifically who you need to reach and how you need to reach them because mm-hmm. those people hang out with a certain group of people. They, they, they do certain things. They like certain hobbies. They use a certain language. So you know how to connect with them. And then you have a product that's so, you know, amazing that, um, that what you're selling it for exceeds the value that you're see that, that, that it's giving. So in mm-hmm. other words, if, um, you know, I'm develop, uh, giving a service that costs a hundred dollars, right. But the consumer feels like they're getting $500 worth, right. Now you got a hit. Yeah. Right. Cause people buy it left and right all day long. So, so entrepreneurship is, is a mindset. Entrepreneurship is, is, is a hustle and entrepreneurship is also about, you know, really being in charge of your own destiny. Less interesting fact about entrepreneurship, by end of next year, 42% of the workforce uh, will be entrepreneurs. They'll be working for themselves. Wow. Greatest I, time in history with the internet. I, I can't imagine uh, as, you know, as a child growing up, and again, my, my parents were divorced when I was three, so I was an every other weekend kid, but my mom raised me most of the time. I can't, I can't imagine going to her, you know, in the 80s and 90s and saying, I want to be an entrepreneur. And she'd be like, yeah. how about you get a real job? She said that for 20 years when I was in radio. When are you going to get a real job? I'm like, well, it's, it's kind of what I do now. Here, I'll, I'll see if I can uh, see that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love yeah. it. Got so interesting, phone. funny story is uh, when uh, my youngest daughter was looking at colleges and, uh, and um, you know, it's going to cost anywhere from $150,000 to $250,000, yeah. you know, and pay for an education for her. And, and I said to her, I said, honey, I said, cause she's entrepreneurial in spirit. She always has been. I said, what if we took that money and we started a business? Now she didn't take me up on it, <laughs> but, but she was incredibly frugal in college. I mean, like you would think she was spending her own money in some cases she was, but incredibly frugal where she went to this you know, prestigious four year university and, um, you know, came out with, you know, you know, very little debt. And now, we're starting a business with her, right? So she also, seeing her dad and her mom, said, I don't want the old, I'm going to go. By the way, that old model doesn't exist anymore anyway, where you go work for a company and work 35, 40 years. Look at right. you. Yeah. You would have come for 20 years and you're just a commodity and they let you go either because, you know, you know you're, you're making too much money or, you know, whatever the case is, whatever the reason is. I don't want any, you know, I didn't want any part of that. You know, I wanted to be the master of my own destiny. 
and not in the hands of somebody else. And I think more people now are taking that route. And because of the internet and what you can do as far as being in business, affords you the opportunity to take that risk much easier than it was any time in history. How important is, and I think you mentioned it, you know, when you're talking to your youngest about college, um, it, it seems like, and this was part of, I believe, the open, about the standard of the way of life you were supposed to to lead, to be, you know, the good old-fashioned American dream, white picket fences and all the happiness that goes with it and always sunny, um, was you go to school and you get good grades in school and then you go to college and then, you know, somewhere in there, and, and they never really pinpoint a time when you're going to find out what you're going to do with your life. You're like, well, I think I'll go to be a, a doctor. I want to go to be a lawyer. I want... At some point, you find a path that either entices you because you're passionate about it or because it's it's lucrative. But how important now? You talk about the age of technology. I mean, we're we're living uh, with the remote control to our life, as a wise man once said. It's right in our hand at all times. The teachers that said you're never going to be walking around with a calculator. Uh, well, you are, and you're also walking around with the answer to any question you could possibly ever have without an Encyclopedia Britannica in your backpack. Is for entrepreneurs, because if you're going to be a you know, doctor, <laughs> lawyer, you know, things, you know, surgeon, you probably need some schooling. I wouldn't YouTube, you know, how to be a surgeon and expect to get, uh, have successful results with your clients, probably more lawsuits than anything. But hmm. if you have an entrepreneur, you know, that entrepreneur blood running through you and you have vision and you have, you know, and you don't really need to even be all that internet savvy. It, a lot of this has is, is become so turnkey on building a website and, 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 and finding an audience that's out there, finding a demographic or finding a, people that need that product or that thing that you you know you have an idea for. Is, is college as dead set of here's how you become a successful human being as it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30? I'm going to make a comment that uh, may be highly controversial. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, I, I think college is, is going by the way of Blockbuster. Wow. I mean, think about it. Why the heck do you need to spend a quarter of a million dollars on a four-year undergrad education? I get it. Maybe a, a state school, it's going to be less, but it's mm -hmm. still six figures. Right. When I can learn whatever I want to learn, like you said, on my computer. Dean Graciano and Tony Robbins recently did a, a webinar and they said the old method of education is dying and is essentially dead. No one just, no one knows it yet because the value is not there. Mm -hmm. Think about it. You think about all the degrees that you can get at, a, at your college, right? And you're going to spend six figures plus to get that degree to come out to get a $40,000 a year job. Is that a good return on investment? No. And do you know, uh, what's the number, seven or six or seven out of 10 workers are not working in the job in which they went to school for? It's a, I mean, that makes no sense to me. Right. Again, it gets back to the vaccination. It's illogical. The science doesn't match the result. Mm. And so I think the education of the future is highly skilled people teaching somebody something that they want to do for themselves. And I don't need to go to a four-year school to figure it out. Right. If I want to learn how to be a podcaster, right, I'm going to go to, you know, and take a podcasting course with somebody who's really successful and can give me the steps of how to, you know, in three months or six months, I'm going to, I'm going to have my podcast up and running. Or if I want to, you know, run a, um, um, you know, a machine shop or, or, or salon or whatever the case may be, right? So I really believe that's where education is going because it's easier. 
It's mm. more effective. And I don't need all the BS. When I was in chiropractic school, we spent so much time learning stuff that we never used. And it's not just chiropractic school. It's all kinds of schools. But yet I was paying 500 a credit for that, 750 a credit for something I would never use. And with the explosion of student debt, right, $1.5 trillion this nation owes in student debt. And because the millennials are living p- with their parents because they can't afford to be on their own because of the student debt and yep. you know trying to rent an apartment, this model is already broke. It's already crashed, and the culture is catching is is ahead of the of the of the institutions. The culture is ahead of the institutions. The institutions are hanging on for dear life for the old model, and unless they wake up, they're going to find there's going to be a lot of old buildings that are going to be empty with no students in it really soon. I, it's, I, f- I fully believe that in my heart. Now, please understand, I think there's good things about college that are beneficial, especially your tech schools. Mm-hmm. If you're going to go learn how to a, a skill or a trade, no better place to go. Like you said, if you want to learn to become a master plumber or electrician or a draftsman, that's awesome. But do I need to go to four years, you know, um, you know, to, to a major university um, to learn how to become, you know, a communicator or a salesperson. Because by the way, Coop, we're all salespeople. Yeah. If if you really want to succeed in life, figure how to figure out how to be the best salesperson and the best communicator. Because the two most important skills you'll need to have in life is communication and scale and sales. You master those, there isn't anything you can't succeed at. Right. You are an inspiring human. And I think just because of all the avenues that you're in and the people's lives you touch, obviously coaching, entrepreneurship, all the the avenues that you have uh, going, you know, it's, it's, you're not on the one way you're, you know, this, <laughs> this interstate highway is, you know, multi-directional, it's, it's moving and shaking. Uh, but is who's out there that, that inspires you, that you go and you, you read their books or you watch their videos, you know, who are, you know, the two or three people, or, or maybe there's more that you go, yeah, well, you know, when, when that guy or that, that woman speaks, I listen to what they say and I follow what they say. First one that pops into my head is Robin Sharma. Mm-hmm. Robin Sharma is, you know, um, he's a consultant, he's a coach, best-selling author. Uh, one of the greatest books I've ever read is um, Who Will Die When You Cry, Who Will Cry When You Die? And the monk who sold his Ferrari, two absolutely must reads. And then he wrote the Greatness Guide. Mm. Um, I mentored under Robin for a while, and um, he's all about personal excellence and personal mastery, right? That the pursuit of mastery is inherent in each and every one of us, right? It's a deep expression that has to be fulfilled, and that pursuit is not driven in ego, or it's not driven by materialism. It's primal. It's wired in our DNA. And when we're not pursuing excellence, right? Personal mastery is excellence. Mm -hmm. And by the way, it's not a destination. It's a constant journey throughout our life. When we're not pursuing excellence is when we experience pain, frustration, right? Stress in our life because we're not living our best life. Let's think about it. If we're living our best life, those emotions, we don't experience nearly like we're doing now. Right. And so, so when we're on the pursuit of personal mastery, we do so when we're living purpose. And living purpose is when we're living our, our fullest and best life. So Robin Sharma is a big one without question. Um, I would say that um, um, there's a gentleman who passed away not long ago, Dr. Wayne Dyer. 
I read all his stuff. Mm -hmm. To me, he was the quintessential, um, you know, voice on understanding who you are and, and making, working on you is the best, best investment you could ever make, mm -hmm. right? Working on your mindset. I also believe we're in a cultural shift as well too. 25, 30 years ago, Coop, you would never dream of people, right? Going to a gym and working out because back then most people worked physical jobs. Right. So they worked eight to 10, 12 hours a day. The last thing they're going to do is going to go home and go to a gym and lift weights or do a functional workout. And they didn't right? need to. They didn't need to they at that point. To. No, exactly, exactly. But what happened, right? Our our, our technology changed, so we became incredibly sedentary. So we had to add physical fitness, or we we're going to be a physical mess. For yeah. those who really are, are interested in, fit, in wellness and health, I believe we're in a new dawning of a new age, and that new age is psychological fitness. I am experiencing and learning and seeing more and more people who are engaging with these daily success habits, mm -hmm. understanding that the key to success is not only working on the physical, but working on the mental. And I believe in 25, 30 years, we'll look back and we'll go, well, why wasn't everybody doing it at that point? Because yeah. everyone will be doing it. You right. know what I mean? And once we get to that point, I think as, 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 a, as a society and as a culture, we'll evolve to a whole new level. And all this bickering and sniping you, you see in the media and politics, right? We will be the change that will make that happen because we'll demand it. You see, earlier I said, when we insulate ourselves and turn out the negative voices, media, news, right? And, and if there's no market for those people, guess what happens? They have to change what they do. Right. So if we keep consuming it, they'll keep giving it to us. But if we stop consuming it, and I believe that's what's happening now, if you look at the statistics and the ratings, mm -hmm. what eventually happened, they'll have to change what they're delivering. And that's when things will change permanently. Dr. Jay LaGuardia, I appreciate your time, sir. Thank you, man. Very it's been much. a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Where can people uh, get a hold of you if they want to talk about coaching and if they want to listen to the podcast? Obviously, it's available everywhere fine podcasts are heard. That's right. The name of the podcast is Power, Passion, Prosperity, all one word, Power, Passion, Prosperity with Dr. J. Um, the best place to, to get a hold of me, Coop, is uh, our website, powerpassionprosperity.com. Um, people can sign up for all our free, great content and videos there. Um, and then also my email address is drj at triplepilife.com. So the triple P, Power, Passion, Prosperity. It's the Triple P so, Nation, people. It is. That's right. So Dr. J at Triple P Life. Uh, dot com and uh, uh, or you can reach me uh, dr j on facebook or instagram and i always say if anybody contacts reach out to me uh, my i will always get back to them within 24 hours because uh, i'm committed to doing that that's very cool man let's get you back on here sometime there's so many topics we could jump on and go on and avenues we could go down i, I, I would look forward to another visit sometime Coop, that would be a lot of fun you just, just name the time i'll come back on awesome man appreciate it take care have a great rest of your day man thank you you too thanks brother